There's only one nation, Raider Nation. You're listening to Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back, Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Yes, now your newest affiliate of ESPN Radio in Southern California. I'm Scott Branson, joined by my partner, Mo Moten. Mo, we're talking, I, I haven't said this word in the four years I've covered the Raiders. Playoffs. They're in the playoffs. They're going to play the Cincinnati Bengals on the banks of the frigid Ohio River tomorrow at Paul Brown Stadium. Uh, it's taken a pretty amazing effort for this team to get here, Mo. Uh, can they keep going? Wait a minute here. ESPN radio affiliate? ESPN affiliate? <laughs> Raiders in the playoffs? What is, what? What's going on what? here? Right? Yeah, a week passes and all of this happens? Okay. We got <laughs> got that new show feel. But, but yes, this is an exciting time. I think I tweeted before the Chargers game that the Chargers game was the biggest game. If you're, if you're under the age of 18, that's the biggest game of your lifetime watching Rays actually knowing what's going on. And now to be in the playoffs, it just kicks it up a notch. And then just younger fans just being able to see the team have some success in the season that they had with all the chaos, with all the turmoil. Raiders in the playoffs. It's got it's got to feel like an accomplishment. I know a lot of the older grumpy fans are like, well, we we've seen Super Bowls. This is nothing. Grumble, grumble. But you got to understand, like, based on what's happened this year, you got to celebrate this. No doubt, no doubt. Hold on. Yeah, not only excited for our new affiliate here being an ESPN affiliate. You mentioned it, Mo. Oh, by the way. Before we go any further, you got to make sure you follow Mo up on Twitter. By the way, Mo is a national writer for Bleacher Report. He covers the entire NFL. We talk Raiders here uh, as well as writing up. Now, Mo, we can announce that the Vegas Sports Today website, which is a website that I founded uh, coming out of Silver and Black today, we're now becoming part of the one of the fastest-growing sports websites in the country, that is sportsnot.com. So now I have to say you contribute to sportsnot.com where you can see actually his latest piece uh, as well as some stuff from this week we'll talk about during the show up on vegasportstoday.com. Um, so make sure you follow him, follow me at LV Gully. The show is SNB Tonight on Twitter as well. But man, I'll tell you, I am so happy for the fans of Raider Nation, to your point, the excitement. Finally, there's 20-year-olds, Mo, that have never seen the Raiders play in a playoff game. I mean, they might have seen it in 2016, but they were too young to remember. Or or they just don't want to remember because it, it was not great. They have not seen a win in their lifetime. So so tomorrow in Cincinnati, it's going to be very significant uh, for this team. But, Mo, we have to close the loop, though, on Sunday night's game. I mean, this, to me, was a game for the ages. I mean, it was a game because of all the tumult throughout the year, because of this franchise moving to Las Vegas, because of all of those things. To me, it's one of the greatest games in Raiders history because it was a battle. It had the whole weird tie thing associated with it. And then, of course, all of the conspiracy theories on why people were calling timeouts and all this stuff. It really is one of those great, as I wrote, chapters in Raiders history, isn't it? Because, yeah, it had all the elements. The Raiders go up early, then it's close, then the Raiders go up big. I believe they're up 29-14 at some point. And I'm watching the game, and I'm thinking the Raiders are going to close this out. They're going to win convincingly. Right. But, of course, in typical Raider fashion, it gets close <laughs> at the end. You give up a bunch of fourth-down conversions. Nothing to take away from Herbert. He's great. But the Raiders' defense is giving up fourth-down conversion after fourth-down conversion. I'm thinking after every one of them, okay, this is the one they're going to get a stop and get – 
the Chargers off the field. This is the one they're going to get a stop to get the Chargers off the field. And it just kept going and going. But the Raiders close it out. And how fitting is it that Daniel Carlson kicks the game-winning field goal and the Raiders take home the victory? Daniel Carlson, four-time, four-time player, AFC special teams player of the week. That's a record for kickers. It had not been done before, thanks to my former partner and our good friend Q Myers for, for telling me that when somebody asked me on Twitter and I couldn't find it. Um, remarkable. And, and I'll tell you what, Mo, the thing that just blows my mind about this, because I still think the Raiders have lots of holes. And we're going to talk about this as we get into the offseason and we go into the draft, which I know you're already working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's for later. For right now, the resiliency of this team, the belief, and, and you know, you cannot underscore the importance in sports. You've covered a lot of sports and played sports, including basketball, all sorts of mm-hmm. things. And when you get a team that believes in itself, believes in one another, believes in their coach, even if they're a temporary coach, um, you suddenly start things start to happen. There's like a magic. You you win games you shouldn't. Balls bounce the way they shouldn't go, and you get a break here and you get a break there. Is that what we're seeing with this Raiders team? We don't know how it's going to last or how long it's going to last, but it's really remarkable how the last four weeks of the season that all started to just steamroll. Yeah, I'm going to give credit to Mike Mayock in this one. I know a lot of people have made fun of him for the whole, oh, we're building a team based on character. And a lot of uh, skeptics would say, well, you don't have enough talent. You know, you look at Cleveland mm-hmm. Farrell, Jonathan Abram disappointing. Uh, up until last, over the past month, Josh, there were questions about Josh Jacobs. Is he Was he really worth the first round pick? But you got to give it up to this team. I, I think a team that lacked character would have folded after six and seven. Now, this team bounces back, puts together a win streak, and Jalen Richard said it, I believe, on Tuesday. He said it's just a formula of bringing in just the right guys to turn this thing around. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and by the way, here's – Mo, get ready and get your earphones, maybe a little, maybe turn them down because I'm about to go on a rant, okay? Oh, gosh. Here it is because you and I, again, we pride ourselves on our objectivity, okay? And we've talked way, way, way too many times about Derek Carr. I'm almost sick about talking Uh, about it. But this time, I'm actually going to have pleasure talking about it. You can call me a Derek Carr stan today because guess what? Derek Carr is winning when it matters most. Remember, Mo, remember all the haters saying, oh, he's got lots of stats, but he can't win the big game. Okay, so now what happens? He wins four big games in a row, including this thriller against the Chargers on Sunday night. And now those same people are out there saying, oh, well, they won, but look, he's got to do better. He's got to get more yards. He's got to get more touchdowns. What the hell do you want? To me, as you and I have talked about, Mo, many times on the show, I care about one stat, and that's the W. Yes, and you know what's funny? Rewind If you rewind the tape from last week, I, I touched on this because mm-hmm. there were people grumbling before the Chargers game saying, well, Derek Carr is still not playing good enough. You know, I'm, I'm still not buying into Reyes because Derek Carr is still mediocre, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just saying, well, he's good when it matters most, and he, and he can get by on mediocre performances because mm-hmm. the defense is, is holding up its end of the bargain. Special teams has been great. Then you, Carl says we just talked about he he should be an All Pro kicker this year, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> but I'm I'm gonna say that I wouldn't even say mediocre. I'm saying Derek Carr has pretty much shown that he's he's clutch. Now the numbers don't look look like it in the box score. You know he's not gonna throw for 300 yards at this point with Darren Waller just coming back against the Chargers. No Henry Ruggs. Uh, the offensive line has been hit or miss at times this year. He, no, he's not gonna throw for 350 yards. He's not gonna throw for 500 like Joe Burrow did recently. But 
when you need him to close out games, you need him to lead the team down on the final drive in position to either score a touchdown or kick a field goal, he can do that. He's proved it time and time again. Yeah, he has. And I just don't think that you're going to make believers out of people who don't want to believe. So it doesn't matter. They will find another reason. And I've seen it and I've watched it. I've stayed out of the argument because I don't like it's it's like getting in the middle of a a religious argument. I'm not going to do it. Okay. But I'm watching and I'm watching the justification of people who want to tear down Derek Carr um, over the last few weeks, and I don't understand it. You are where you wanted to be. If you're a Raider fan, okay, if you don't like Derek Carr, if you think they can do better than Derek Carr, okay. I, if I can get a top-five quarterback, we've talked about it, Mo. Mm-hmm. If I can get Aaron Rodgers, if I can get Russell Wilson, if I can get Josh Allen, of course, those are all not going to happen. But if I could, yes, I would upgrade. No question. Not a knock on Carr. But I will tell you this. The guy is doing what he needs to do. Now, you and I talked about, will he get extended? Will he be back yet next year? We both say yes, mm-hmm. and I think it'll be a smart extension, not one that's going to then hurt the team too much in the future. But I just don't – I see people still mentioning, well, if we can get this guy and we can – it's like, no, this offensive line. And by the way, here's one thing I'm going to throw in here, Mo, and I really want to get your comment on this one. Mm-hmm. There is now eight NFL coaching job openings, right? because uh, David Culley down in Houston was, was, was let go on Thursday. There's eight openings. If you look at all eight openings in the NFL, what, with the exception of the Raiders, so the other seven, if you look at those seven openings, what do they all share in common? And that's uncertainty at quarterback. Mm-hmm. What team doesn't have uncertainty in most people's mind? You have a quarterback who's done his best work, getting you into the playoffs. That's the Raiders. So not only is the Raiders job to me, the best job in the NFL because of the Raiders, because of the situation on Las Vegas, i.e. taxes too, by the way, from a personal level. Um, but also they have the most stable quarterback situation. And if I'm a head coach, that's where I want to go. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Because we, as we all know, if you're even the good head coaches in the league, look, look at Nick Saban, right? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if he, you know, actually wound up with Drew Brees, he'd probably still be coaching in the NFL. But he didn't get Drew Brees. <laughs> he got a washed up Dante Culpepper <laughs> and, and, you know, a bunch of quarterbacks that didn't work. But as a head coach, the first thing you're looking at, and if you want to win right away, is who is my quarterback? And if I don't have certainty at quarterback, what's the plan for that position? Are we going to sign a guy? Are we going to trade for somebody? Are we going to draft somebody in April? And if you're the head coach or going to be the head coach of the Raiders, or if you're looking to get that job, you're looking at Derek Carr and thinking, we can win with this guy because obviously they're they're doing it right now. They just got to the playoffs with him. So why not keep him and just build around what you have? Get a wide receiver, maybe get an offense, not maybe get an offensive lineman, get another right tackle, and 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 roll with that. But I again I just I haven't been involved in the Derek Carr conversations over the past week because to me at this point it's just silly. Because yeah. it, it's a foregone conclusion he's gonna be the starter next year. That's right. They're like, get us to the playoffs. You haven't got us to the playoffs. Eight years, well, you haven't you gotten go. us to the playoffs. Well, there you go. There, now he's there, 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 and now you want to pick other stuff. It's just so funny to me that, you know, the moving the goalpost, to use the football analogy, is 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 remarkable. But I will tell you this. Is Derek Carr my favorite quarterback? No. Is he a good quarterback? Yes. Does he deserve to stay where he's at? Absolutely, as long as he wants to and the team wants him. Now, do the Raiders in the next two years have to start thinking about the future of the position? Absolutely. So, so that's going to be part of the conversation. But they can be symbiotic. They can be together and do that. Now, another guy 
that I, you know, again, has just been so good over the last three weeks during this four-week stretch to get the Raiders in the playoffs has been Josh Jacobs, who looks to be healthy, who looks to be hitting the hole like he did his rookie year. I mean, I thought against the Chargers, Mo, that was the most complete game and with the most energy and the most explosiveness that I've seen him play in a long time. Yeah, playing with vision, hitting the hole, not dancing around, not going too much east-west. I think he's really bounced back. Remember that opening drive fumble he had against the Chiefs? Yes. <laughs> and he just kind of fumbled on the first drive, and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, Josh Jacobs is horrible. And I think since then, I know he didn't have huge numbers in that Cleveland Browns game, but since then he's really, really picked it up. And I, and it's it's a difficult question if the Raiders are going to extend him or not, or I shouldn't say extend him, but ex- exercise the fifth-year option on his contract. But I think it matters. It comes down to who else is on the, is in the pecking order as far as who they have to ex- mm. extend. Are they going to extend Hunter Renfro after the season? Are they going to extend Max Crosby after the season? Are they going to do something with Yannick Ngakwe's contract so he's around for more than a year? Are they going to bring back some of those defensive linemen? So I think all of that factors into whether Josh Jacobs gets his fifth year or not. That's a great point, and that's why I'm against – I mean, the fifth year, you know, most players aren't – the fifth year, he's got to take it, right? I mean, he, he's if they, if they exercise it, he's there. Um, but an extension, a new contract, I mean, a new contract, I just wouldn't do it to your point that you just made where you got to do Carr, you got to do Max Crosby, you got to do Renfro. I agree with all those. You got to think about Waller. What's what going to happen with Waller? We don't know yet. And then you have Ngakwe. You have all those guys – um, that have done well and, and are doing that. And then you also got to think about Jonathan Abram. I don't know what they're going to do there. So, so there's a lot to do. I just don't think, again, to, to your point from earlier, we could not make decisions on long-term contracts based on a three-week stretch. Okay? Now, I'm not taking anything away from Josh Jacobs. I brought it up. I love watching in the last three weeks. I just don't think with the durability issues he's had that a three-game streak is worth – a, a, a new contract right now going into his fifth year. Yeah, and you also have to think about the the complimentary running back spot. Kenyon Drake broke his ankle, obviously. Is he going to be back? Or are they going to let him go before he his contract is fully guaranteed next year? I, I personally, I usually like going with young running backs in the middle of the draft, around you know, three, three or four, maybe end of the second round. But it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Again, it, it all comes down to – what does the cap space situation look like for the Raiders? What is Derek Carr's mm. extension going to look like? Because he's obviously the first in line, and then the other guy's going to fall in line pecking order. But it's going to be a tough situation because if he goes out there on Saturday and he runs for another 120, 130 yards, then you're thinking, we, you know, we got to keep this guy around. I know it's it's kind of prisoner of the moment, living in the moment, but you, you kind of have to reward, not have to, but usually you hear GMs say we want to reward our guys first. Our Mm -hmm. homegrown players, our homegrown talent, we want to reward those guys that they come up big in big moments. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I I just think, and again, nothing against John. And I hope hope tomorrow in Cincinnati he goes nuts, right? 200 yards has a great day. Um, I just think that in today's NFL, outside of maybe one or two players, uh, and he's facing one of the great ones in the league right now, Joe Mixon on the other side of the the, the line, uh, I just don't think that you spend your money there. I think you have to spend your money in more important spots with the way the running back position is, uh, but that's t- not taking anything away. Now, the other thing is you have a new piece up. It's your first piece, actually, up on um, up on sportsnot.com about the Raiders and Basachi and Mayock, and you write in that piece today, Mo, about the Raiders 
And if they continue to win, if they win tomorrow in Cincinnati, and then can you imagine they go to Tennessee and, and upend Tennessee, uh, that there's a chance that both of those guys could be back. Let's talk a little bit about that. I've always said, Rich Bisaccia, listen, he deserves a big-ass bonus. He deserves an amazing thank you. He deserves all the credit in the world for even getting the team to where it's at before the game in Cincinnati tomorrow, win or lose, okay? But to me, when you're looking at the long-term health of the franchise, a coach that you're going to build around, draft players for, have systems built around, to me, you need to look elsewhere. You need to look at somebody who's got the proven track record of an NFL head coach and maybe even a college head coach who's been able to win and and turn around programs and be able to do that. But in your piece, talk a little bit about how the winning may actually make that more difficult for Mark Davis. Here's the here's the here's the nugget that I want to add into that because mm-hmm. I wrote the piece the same night I was in a Twitter Spaces with Ian Rappaport and a bunch of NFL Network reporters, mm-hmm. and basically Ian explained that the understanding was that Rich Passaccia was just going to be a placeholder, like that was that was okay. We know he's he's not going to have the full time job. He's just going to be a placeholder for the season, and after the season, we'll do an extensive head coaching search. Right. But then they're ready to start winning, and then they had to go to the playoffs. So. Ian basically said that 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 idea that we're just going to boot Rich after the season has kind of changed and it's gone lukewarm and it's kind of like, okay. And Ian actually believes that if the Raiders beat Cincinnati tomorrow, that there's a good chance that he could actually, Rich Passaccia could keep the job. Now, of course, if they get blown out in the next round, you're a little iffy, but if if they beat Cincinnati and they actually look good in a loss against, uh, you know, a Titans team who many think are much better than the Raiders, or if they play the Chiefs and they, who are much better than the Raiders, a lot of people feel, then he could still keep his job just based on that because mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't giving the Raiders a chance. But back to the piece that I put up on Sports Not, basically it, it just comes down to how do the Raiders look in the playoffs? And I just explained that if the Raiders look win and look good. Good chance that Mayock and Riz Basaccia are, are staying. And a lot of people didn't see that pair like a few weeks ago. A lot of people thinking, okay, who's going to be our new GM? Who's going to be our new head coach? We need we need a, a, a piece on some pairings, Mo. We need a GM and head coach. What do you think? What do you think? Who are your top five candidates for each position? And I basically started out the piece on Sportsnet saying, well, what about Mayock and Basaccia? Because that's, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. now a possibility with the Raiders winning football games. Now, we don't know how this is going to end, when this is going to end. And I believe you mentioned this briefly, but if let's say the Raiders make it to the AFC Championship game, I know you're probably against this thought, but if they make it there, I I, I think that it it'll be hard to boot both of them because you say, well, Mayock may not have full control of the roster, but he was part of building a roster that got mm-hmm. to the playoffs, got to the AFC Championship game. Basachi was part of taking over for Gruden and leading that team to the AFC Championship game, so it'll be hard to boot those guys. But I will say one thing: it boils down to who's interested in the Raiders' job. And the biggest name that's been associated or connected with it is Jim Harbaugh. And when it comes down to it, you're comparing resumes. You're saying, okay, Rich Basaccia has been an assistant special teams coordinator for 30, 40 years. Do I want that, a guy who's unproven as a full-time head coach? Or do I want a Jim Harbaugh who's been successful in multiple places, including the NFL, leading the 49ers to three straight NFC championship games? Yeah, That's what you're weighing at the end of the day. You are, and, and, and that's not taking anything away from Rich Passaccia. And I agree with you. I think if they get to an AFC championship game, 
then it's a much more difficult position. But I think it just goes back to the point that you just made, which is you compare resumes and, and it just, you got Mark Davis has to go with his gut and say, do I go with this guy who's proven as a head coach uh, and a college coach and done all that? Or do I go with the guy who in a crunch came in and did yeoman's work and got the team, you know, within a game of the Super Bowl? We'll have to see. Uh, but it's a fascinating discussion uh, and, and a good one we'll have, I'm sure, even after uh, tomorrow's game. All right, we're going to step aside for a break. And then, Mo, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk about the Bengals, right? The, the opponent the Raiders have uh, tomorrow in Cincinnati at Paul Brown Stadium. We're going to be talking with national NFL writer Tyler Dragon from USA Today. He also is a former Bengals uh, beat writer, award-winning beat writer at the Cincinnati Enquirer. So we'll talk to Tyler about the game coming up. All right, you are here on Silver and Black tonight. He is Mo. I am Scott. We're talking about the playoffs, baby. Only here on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Don't go anywhere, Raider Nation. We will be right back with Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 10. 90 ESPN Radio. I won't be much when you get through with me. Well, I'm a losing weight and I'm turning. Now back to Scott and Mo on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back. Here we are, Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. Raiders, Bengals, playoffs tomorrow. Yes. I keep, it's, it's strange, Mo, to say Raiders and playoffs, right? So. Uh, Raider Bengals Nation. too, for yeah, that matter. Bengals too, for that matter. Absolutely, these two teams uh, meet in the playoffs again. Both looking for their first win in over 18 years in the NFL playoffs. And to talk about the Bengals, we turn to one of the best that does it in the uh, NFL. That is USA Today award-winning writer Tyler Dragon. He covers the NFL in total now, but he was. The, the Bengals reporter at the Cincinnati Inquirer, and he joins us now on the Newsmaker line to talk about this game. And Tyler, I'll tell you what, I mean, you look at, at, at these two franchises, uh, and, and, and they couldn't be more different than one another, but they're both looking for their fan bases. Uh, the Who Day crew out in Cincy, Raider Nation all over the country looking for that first win. It's really an interesting and dynamic matchup, especially since these two teams played early on. And I'm struck by how confident uh, this young Bengals team is. Uh, how do you see this matchup and, and uh, both of these teams and these franchises, how badly they could really use this win? Well, I think the Bengals need a win uh, more than probably <laughs> any NFL team uh, right now. They have not won a playoff game since the 1990 NFL season. The last time they won a playoff game, Michael Jordan didn't even have an <laughs> NBA title. Oh, <laughs> and, oh my goodness. Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow wasn't even born. So they are in desperate need of some type of postseason win in Cincinnati. And they are feeling really good about themselves. Joe Burrow 
has really galvanized the fan base and energized not only the fan base, but the entire team, him and T. Higgins, Jamar Chase. The Bengals have done a really good job of turning around their roster and really changing the culture. Um, over 80% of their players were uh, got on after Zach Taylor uh, became the head coach. So this is a franchise that is in desperate need for a postseason win. And when you look at the Las Vegas Raiders, yes, they went to the playoffs in 2016. That was their last playoff berth. There wasn't a lot of expectations um, going into this season for this Raiders team. But I I can tell from the fan base, I've been to Allegiant Stadium a lot this season, that uh, this fan base is uh, desperately seeking a win to uh, some positive news coming out of that organization, an organization that's been through some unprecedented times this year. So this, their fan base, they need a win to almost just as bad, but I cannot say that they are starving as much as the Bengals <laughs> are for a postseason win. So just to dig into the star of this matchup, Joe Burrow, uh, we had Solomon Wilcox on early, early this year when the Raiders and Bengals played in Week 11, and I asked him about the interceptions Burrow was throwing, and he didn't seem too concerned about it. And uh, since Week 13, 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions. And I just want to get your opinion. Do you think that's just, you know, do you think he's cognizant of those interceptions and that's why it, he's cleaned it up, or are we just seeing the continuation of the maturation process of his decision-making in the pocket? He is cognizant of the interceptions. I, I know some local and national media um, around Cincinnati, and they have asked him about his high number of interceptions uh, multiple times this year, and that's a factor of him getting pressured. Uh, he's mm-hmm. been sacked way too much for the Bengals' liking uh, this season, and sometimes he can be a little bit careless with the football. It's few and far between, but there are some times where – he throws some passes up to be uh, grabbed by defensive backs. So he can be careless with the football, but we all see what he has been doing as of late uh, behind center in Cincinnati. He's been one of the best quarterbacks in all of football. His rapport with Jamar Chase is exceptional. They look like their LSU days when he won the Heisman Trophy and Jamar Chase won the Fred Bolitnikoff. A trophy, and then don't forget about T. Higgins on the outside as well with Tyler Boyd. So their receiving corps does uh, help Joe Burrow out a lot. And then Joe Mixon, a Pro Bowl running back, his first time in the Pro Bowl uh, this season. So Joe Burrow, to answer your question, he is a little bit cognizant of the interceptions, but as of late, he has kind of stored that area up a little bit, and that's mainly because of the Bengals have done a little bit better job. Uh, protecting him on the offensive line and the receivers that made plays for him as well. Just want a quick follow-up question on Joe Burrow and his mentality. Do you think some people say he's confident and other people say he's a little cocky on the cocky side, but do you think that type of personality, that type of alpha mentality is what the Bengals really needed to bring them over the hump and bring them back to the playoffs after some down years? <laughs> That's a good question. So I talked to Zach Taylor earlier this week, and he told me that Joe Burrow has brought an edge to uh, not only the fan base, but the franchise. And it's not uh, cockiness. It's just a confidence 
that he has won before. He hasn't won before an NFL level, obviously, but he's won on every other level that he's been at. And when you put in the work during practice in the weight room, then you have the confidence to go out on the field week in and week out and perform. And he has done that. And the proof is in the results. Uh, he was on the short list of offensive rookie of the year last year before he got hurt. And this year, he's been one of the better quarterbacks in the National Football League. Yeah, I mean, going back, that's where people, I think they, they underestimate his experience and the excellence he's had at every level, Tyler. I mean, Athens County in Ohio in high school, that team was amazing. And then you go, of course, the LSU with the the best college year that any quarterback has ever had. Uh, so it's no surprise that he continues uh, to succeed. And that's the thing, too, with this team, right? And you look at that kind of his personality, his swagger, to your point, it seems to have permeated everyone, even veteran players much older than him. They've really taken on that persona. I've been reading your work uh, up on USA Today about them. I've been reading others' work. I've talked to some folks at the Bengals over the last day, and everybody says the same thing, that you can feel it in the locker room how this team feels. They're not overconfident. They're not cocky. What they are, though, is they believe in one another, and that comes from that personality that Joe Burrow brought there. Yeah, uh, most definitely. This franchise, the past two years, they won six total games. <laughs> and in Joe Burrow's first healthy season, his second season, they have 10 total wins. So they have really been able to just step up their level of play. They have multiple pro bowlers for the first time in a while. So it's not just Joe Burrow. He does have help around him that are performing at a high level. Trey Hendrickson had double-digit sacks this season. He's a pro bowler. I just mentioned Joe Mixon, a 1,000-yard rusher. But Joe Burrow is the head of the stake, and it starts with him, certainly. So just a quick question. I wrote a piece on Sportsnet, totally separate, about how the Raiders have changed from Week 11, and a lot of people could see how you know how their offense has picked up, their defense is playing a lot better. But I just wanted to ask you, in your opinion, how how the Bengals changed over the past two months? Where have they improved or taken a step back since then? Well, it's really their defense. Their mm -hmm. free agent pickups have really paid dividends for them. Um, we just talked about Trey Hendrickson, double-digit sacks. Uh, Mike Hilton, the slot cornerback, has played well. Tadobi Awuzie, a cornerback, free agent pickup from the Dallas Cowboys. They have really hit for the Bengals. This is a defense that ranks 18th. That's not, you know, a number that, you know, you're going to knock your socks off about. But we're, years past, they were at the near bottom of the league in total defense. So their defense has really stepped up. They are rushing the passer. And the secondary headlined by the players that I mentioned, along with Jesse Bates, who was also one of the uh, better safeties in the league, they have really picked up their play. Tyler Dragon, NFL insider, sports writer at USA Today covering the NFL, is our guest here on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. And Tyler, we switched to the Raiders, and we always like to get the outside perspective because Mo and I sometimes are banging our head against the wall on this one. Uh, but but Derek Carr has been a very polarizing pick, uh, a player in Raider Nation amongst the fan base uh, because you've had a, 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 a really a big audience say, well, Derek Carr puts up all these big numbers, but he never wins. Now, in this four-game run that the Raiders have been on to get them to Cincinnati on Saturday, uh, he's not put up big numbers, but what he has done 
is driven his team down the field, one when he's needed to, and put together four in a row. Um, has there been minds changed on Derek Carr? Or from a national perspective, is there a good understanding of what he does well and, he, and the fact that he can win if his team is there, if he's got a defense and so on? I think Derek Carr gets unfairly criticized. And he's number five in the league in passing this year. He has put up pretty good numbers. But you have to look at the totality of the situation on and off the field. For him to be such a good leader and for the Raiders to go through all they went through this season, Derek Carr was a consummate professional. He was uh, kept that locker room together, kept them um, their heads together, and they were really, really impressive the way they were able to rally back from adversity, unprecedented adversity, from the coach resigning to Henry Ruggs. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So when I look at Derek Carr, I am very impressed with his leadership ability and his um, ability to be able to keep the team together. And the Raiders, not many people are talking about it, but they're on a four-game winning streak. That's tied for a league lead heading into postseason play Mm -hmm. with the Buffalo Bills. So you can make a case they're one of the hottest teams in football. Uh, They went up uh, and beat a Los Angeles Chargers team. A lot of people thought the Chargers were a more talented team going into that game, and they pretty much dominated them for most of the game. The game was close. It was a thriller, but the Raiders were in control for most of that game, and the the Chargers were playing catch-up. So Derek Carr, I like his leadership ability, and he does make clutch throws from time in and time out. So I think he gets unfairly criticized. He's probably a middle-of-the-road fringe Pro Bowl quarterback. I know he's been to the Pro Bowl in the time of his career, but he does get unfairly criticized in my opinion. Yeah, I appreciate that. Now, the question for you on the Raiders, too. So we know what Rich Bisacci has done, too, another guy who was forced into action uh, with with the John Gruden controversy and taking over as interim head coach, uh, done a great job to get the team here, along with the locker room being, you know, really just driven by Derek Carr. Um, but this Raiders job, I mean, I, I was talking to Mo earlier, Tyler, and I said if you look at the other seven uh, head coaching openings in the NFL, they all have serious problems at quarterbacks on those teams. The one job that doesn't, that has a consistently good quarterback, is the Raiders. And, of course, then you have the Raiders mystique, the franchise, Las Vegas, all of that stuff going for it. When you look at that job, uh, I guess it's a two-part question. You look at Rich Bisaccia, if he gets deeper into the playoffs, if he can go into Cincinnati tomorrow and beat the Bengals, how seriously would you consider him to keep his job? Or do you think that the job is so appealing the Raiders are going to get guys with just, frankly, better resumes? You know, if I was in charge of the Raiders franchise, I would promote Rich Passaccia to head coach. From what, I, from what I said, the compliments I gave Derek Carr for him to be a leader and keep this locker room together, the same can be said for Rich Passaccia, and he's never been a head coach until this time he has the interim tag. For him to galvanize this team and lead this team to the playoffs, I believe he deserves a promotion to be head coach. And you're right. Um, Out of all the eight openings um, in the NFL, the head coaching vacancies, the Raiders might be the most attractive because they are pretty set at quarterback. Mm-hmm. And they're deep. They have a you know a really good defense. Uh, at least their their front 
four is really good with Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe. So I do like this uh, Raiders team, and I do think this is one of the most attractive jobs. Uh, we all know the um, attractiveness of Las Vegas, too. Now, I, I will probably argue that Miami is more attractive on the mm-hmm. personal side. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Las Vegas is uh, mm-hmm. definitely attractive in its own right as well. Well, Tyler, uh, before we let you go, the game in Cincinnati, you talked about it and you, you spent time in Cincinnati, obviously covering the franchise, living in the area in the 513. Um, how do you see this one unfolding? What has to happen for the Bengals to get that much needed win and what has to happen for the Raiders? Well, the key for the Bengals to get the win is protect their franchise quarterback and Joe Burrow and try to create some turnovers on the back end. Their car, we know he sometimes he can be loose with the football too, but he's been playing well of late. And, you know, if Joe Burrow and uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, they continue their hot streak, they're going to be tough to uh, beat because the Bengals, they are definitely one of the hotter teams in all of the NFL going into the playoffs, and they do have some momentum and some confidence heading into uh, this weekend's game at Paul Brown Stadium. Um, as far as the Raiders, do what you've been doing for the past four games. They run this four-game winning streak, and they've been able to play clutch football, making timely plays. Uh, Hunter Renfro's been catching timely passes. Uh, we saw what Josh Jacobs was able to do in fourth quarter in the overtime at 92 yards in those two quarters alone. And Derek Hart, be one of the better quarterbacks in the National Football League. He finished the regular season ranking fifth in passing. He needs a big passing game against uh, this Bengals secondary. But the key for the Raiders is to hand Josh Jacobs the football, play keep away mm. from the Bengals, and play out defense and get after Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's been sacked way too much for the Bengals liking this <laughs> season. The Bengals are without their right tackle, Riley Reese, who was on IR. So I expect Max Crosby to line up right outside of the right tackle and try to uh, rest Joe Burrow all day long. So that's going to be the key uh, for the Raiders to get the upset victory in Cincinnati. <laughs> All right, I love that, Tyler. Thanks. We're 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 giving a two fisted skyline chili coney salute to you right now. Uh, so <laughs> so thank you for that, and we certainly appreciate you. Make sure you check out uh, the Tyler Dragon on Twitter. Great NFL writer, just great insight uh, from somebody who's been covering the league for a long time. Thanks again, my friend. We appreciate you joining us tonight. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks for having me on. All right, there you go, Mo. Tyler Dragon, great, great guy. Great writer, by the way. You got to gotta yeah. make sure you follow him at the Tyler Dragon on Twitter. All right, Mo, here's where the rubber meets the road. Here I am sitting in Cincinnati. Raiders here getting ready to play the Cincinnati Bengals tomorrow. The town is electric. People are excited. Bengals fans for Raider fans in town. Bengals fans are nice folks. Yes, they haven't won very yeah. much. Uh, they're not mouthy. They're not Charger fans or n- none of that stuff. But anyway, um, I look at this game, Mo, and you talked about in your piece up on Vegas Sports Day this week about uh, the matchup here and in the trenches and how well the Raiders have been doing there. How do you see this one unfolding realistically tomorrow at Paul Brown Stadium? I'm torn here, Scott, because I've, I'm on a streak of picking against the Raiders and they win. <laughs> and, I'm, you know, I'm superstitious and I like to stick yeah. with that. But if you've been following me on Twitter, you know where I'm leaning with this one. Uh-huh. I have the Raiders winning this game 24-23 because of what you just said. In the trenches, Tyler mentioned it too. Max Crosby going up against a backup right tackle. 
Yeah, I'll take that any day of the week. The Raiders can control this game at the line of scrimmage, and sometimes that's how you win football games, especially in the playoffs, and I think the Raiders pull it out. You know, I have not picked the Raiders at all over the four weeks. I didn't think they would even be here, but I will tell you, this team continues. I can't pick against this team now. I just can't because until they prove otherwise, they're getting it done. Yes, sometimes it's with duct tape uh, and, and, and modeling glue and some scotch tape, whatever it takes. This team has been able to do it under Rich Bisaccia and with Derek Carr behind center. And so if that offensive line can hold up, if the defensive front does what they've done over the last three weeks, then this team is going to win. I also think it's going to go under. The over-under, I think, was 49. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict a very low-scoring game, too, with the weather here in Cincinnati, 21-20. So I'm close, I'm close just where you are uh, with a one-point type game. Uh, so it'll be interesting. But most of all, I just want the win for Raider Nation. It's great for us on the radio to talk about it, Mo. Uh, but at the same time, uh, the fan base deserves it. They're so excited after what was a disaster of a middle of the season. Uh, and the city of Las Vegas deserves it, too. So so we're both picking the Raiders. It's going to be fun. And hopefully, Mo, when we talk next week, we're talking about going to Tennessee. Tennessee or possibly Kansas City. Depends. Yeah, we we hey the Raiders could host a playoff game against the Patriots <laughs> if they're if Wildcard well, Weekend gets too crazy and and let's say the Steelers win and the Patriots oh. win and 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 you know it could get really weird so we'll see what happens next week when we're back on. Now I think you're having too many avocado smoothies. All right, so we're gonna step <laughs> aside. Take care, of my friend. Of for Mo Moten, I am Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black tonight. Only on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. Make sure you check out Mo on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully. And you can check out the show SNB Tonight and Silver and Black Tonight.com where you can catch the archive. For everyone here, enjoy the game tomorrow. We'll talk to you next week. Take care of yourself, Raider Nation. Thank you for joining us. Please catch Silver and Black tonight, every Friday at 6 p.m. on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.